Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Impact 360, where we talk about leadership and personal growth so that you can make an impact on the people in your life. Whether it's in the workplace or with your family, or if you're in your circle of friends, we're all leaders to someone. Our goal at Impact 360 is to help you become a leader and a person of influence so that when people look at you, they say, wow, that's a person I can get behind. Hi, my name's Paul Raymond, and I'm the CEO of Spartan Leadership Group a company dedicated to helping people reach their full potential. Thanks for joining me today. I'm so excited today to have a special guest on who I've known for more than 20 years and someone I admire and respect tremendously uh, as, a, as a friend and as a leader and as a mentor, uh, all of those things. I couldn't ask for a, a better guest to kick off our, our first interview series today. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it is my sincere pleasure to introduce Mr. Jason Lindstrom. Hey, Jason, how you doing, buddy? Paul, I am doing incredible, and gosh, what an honor it is to see you and be with you today as we share some fun stories, skills, talents, and hopefully some inspiring messages to just uplift people to be better in their life today. I'm grateful to be here with you. Man, I'm so happy to have you. Hey, so so let's kind of just kick off. Can you, can you give us a little bit of your background? I know you, uh, you know, you and I have known each other for what, 25 yeah. years or 20, something? Yeah, close to 25. Been, yeah. Been a long time, man. Uh, yeah. so I know you kind of you started out in the army. So, so how did you, how did you get into the army? You know, what, what kind of led you to that? You know, it's it, one of the greatest, I'm so glad you asked that. One of the greatest things that I like to talk about is my wife and kids and believe it or not, I ended up in the army because of the way that relationship started through one of the people in my life that inspires me. Unfortunately, his life has been celebrated. He's in heaven. We know he's looking down on us, but it's my wife's father. Um, Macy and I have been married. We were both born and raised in Sacramento. I've known her since I was 12 years old. We were married at 18 years old and I was around her father for many years. I didn't have quite the father figure that maybe some had in life. I have a father of course, and, and he was in my life at some extent, but not, not as much in those years in, in, in my life. Her dad, his name is David Lohman, uh, is an incredible person. He ultimately, unfortunately, lost uh, the cancer battle like a lot of our loved ones have, unfortunately, uh, a number of years ago now. But he was really involved in my life. I think he must have saw me being in their family before I realized I was going to be there when I was younger. And so he would start, you know, being a little tough with me and start kind of challenging me to be better when he saw maybe I was drifting as a teenager and maybe not as focused as I could have been in my junior, senior year in high school. He said, mm, he might like one of my kids, which that ended up happening. Of course, he's my wife 29 years in now. Um, but I, I remember him way before his illness. I remember him sitting me down and say, when, when things got serious, I was dating Macy at the time. And he actually you know, as, as a father figure, as a leader would, he sat me down and started having those adult kind of conversations with me. And he goes, look, I, I know you love, you know, my daughter and I can tell she loves you and it looks like there's something there, but I got to know how responsible you're going to be with my daughter. Like what does responsibility mean to you? And he had those like at 18, 17, like he was asking me those big questions. And I was like, oh, imagine being 17 and someone <laughs> in a heavy question, not just having fun with you. But I mean, that serious kind of talk like, hey, you're, you might marry my daughter. I need to make sure you're responsible enough to take that task on. <laughs> now, now right? was he military? He was, yeah, he was, oh, a, he was, that's even worse, he was, right? A military. He, was, yeah. <laughs> he, he did it. He did it sometime as a military police officer in the military in the United States Army. 
yes. And I, I, I remember him asking me, he goes, what are you going to do with yourself? Like, what's your plan? What, you know, do you think past tomorrow or this month, you know, kind of thing. Uh, and so he, he would, um, have that he had that conversation with me and he's and ultimately i didn't know where i was going and he drew the line he goes okay look so one of two things is going to happen if you're going to ask for my blessing and i'm going to say yes you're either going to have a career path uh supported by a college education you know or you're going to go in the military and you got to choose quick right and it was one of those like because what he didn't realize at that time of the conversation, I was getting ready to propose to his daughter or maybe he suspected it, but I had never said anything. Right. So he must've had that good father intuition protecting his firstborn of five children. And it was, it was an incredible conversation. So no BS, Paul, no BS. Right. Literally after that conversation, Macy, who's literally five feet from me. Now you can't see her on camera, but she's right over here by me. Hi, Macy. Um, <laughs> Paul says hi. <laughs> yeah, she's right over here. So he um, literally within six days, I had figured out how to meet with an army recruiter. I went into the infantry real quick, went down and got the physical that was required and was sworn in and ready to go. And seven days later, I was on a plane to basic training in Fort Benning, Georgia. Wow. And so I ended up in the army because of an adult conversation from a father figure kind of person in my life who happens to be my father-in-law, who I cherish even today. You know, I've been by his side ever since. Yeah. And so, you know, it was, it was kind of an incredible thing because honestly, I didn't know where I was going. I hadn't thought about responsibility. I was, I was definitely in love with his daughter. And it wasn't the kind of just play teenage kind of love. Like I adored her with the same. And you still do. I see you all the time. <laughs> I love her more today. She's as beautiful as ever. Right. I hug her. I kiss her. Like it was the first time we met awesome. and, and she's my world, but I ended up in the military, which was a blessing. So it was a blessing because I got to marry the girl of my dreams. Then I got to start my career as an adult, right. Maturing as a person in the military. Awesome. Right. And, and I didn't serve as many as you. And I, and I love to honor you because you're an incredible person. Again, I've known you through your military career. And then of course, after that too. And I love that I'm here with you today talking about family and life and leadership <laughs> and military, just everything in general. Uh, but we were, we were both in the military when we met actually, you know, I wasn't even out then too, uh, back in those days, but I did spend about 10 years uh, in the United States army in the infantry. I was stationed in Fort Lewis, uh, Washington, Fort Benning, Georgia, Fort Carson, Colorado, was in Germany for three years, deployed a number of times and had, had a great career. And, and it, it was, I think one of the reasons why we're here today stems back from that conversation from my father-in-law to some lessons that I'm sure we'll get into from the military itself, teaching me to be responsible, to be a leader, to serve in 360 degrees, right up, down, left, right. Like leadership is, is a lot of things, as you know, obviously you're the CEO of a leadership company yet, but that, that's how I ended up in the military. You know, it's, I wanted to share that story. I didn't mean to go too long with it, but it's something that's important. Oh, that's to me. awesome. I love, First of all, about I love your wife and I love your family. You guys are beautiful. I love seeing you guys all over Facebook and I can't wait to get out in the, in your neck of the woods here and, and catch yeah. up with you guys in person. Yeah. Um, definitely. So, so while you were in the military, and I want to get back to, to the influence your family had on you yeah. uh, in a minute, but you know, while you were in the military, how do you think, how do you think that developed you kind of as a leader? Because I know, you know, my leadership experience in, in the Air Force is a lot different than what you experienced in the Army. And I'm curious how, 
how that kind of molded you into the into the man that you you know eventually became. Yeah, I I would the first thing that I I think I learned when I look back on my military career and kind of reflect. You know, I've been out for quite a while now, forty eight years old. You know, I got out at twenty seven years old, and so I'm twenty one year civilian veteran after my military chapter. But it goes back to basic training for me. You know, in the United States Army, the infantry basic training and then the AIT that was literally back to back. So it extended basic training, if you will, as you got into the specialty uh, uh, job that I I chose to be involved in. Um, I learned how to do what they called at the time battle drills. And believe it or not, that does have to do with leadership in my life. There were there were eight battle drills that they taught and that you did like more from a teach it so you learn and pretty soon you get so good at it you don't even know why you do what you do anymore right those habits that they want you to know in eight situations you just learn to execute at all hours of the day at all energy levels whether you're ill or not happy or sad doesn't matter you just shoot move communicate I still my underwear in a, <laughs> <I don't swear. laughs> yeah no it's it's crazy right so so when i think about leadership the, the the one thing that i wasn't the leader at the time but i was around a lot of leaders and they took an 18 year old immature guy right and taught me to represent our country in a way that was, and I, I don't mean to say deadly in a negative way, but I became a machine. Like, like I watched them transform me to, to, to someone that was irresponsible to not only becoming responsible, but committed to a responsibility to serve our country in a way that I didn't even realize when I was 17, 18 years old. Yeah. And I know that didn't just happen by accident. It took leadership. It took people before my time that learned lesson after lesson after lesson on how to prepare people for whatever they're preparing people for. But in the military, in my branch that I was in, in the specific uh, MOS that I had, it was incredible on how well they educated you, then trained you with that education to become proficient at a level that you executed consistently in any conditions. You know, and so I look back at that in my life because a lot of that's in a different way, it applies to me today, which I'm sure we'll get into, but it started there for me when I started looking at people that helped me move from irresponsible, unclear, uncertain to a place of confidence, certainty, and unwavering, yeah. right? When it came to our country, each other, friends like you, my family, my career, I grew into a person that said, hey, I'm ready to get knocked down now. I know what it feels like to get knocked down, and I certainly know how to get up when I do. Isn't that important to learn how to fail and how to get knocked down and then to, to rebound and get up? I mean, that, I love that you asked me. You can, I think can only learn the hard way. <laughs> you can't, yeah. Well, those, those lessons are real time. I mean, we can read on things and we can watch people talk about it or listen to them talk about it. But when you're in that experience and you actually feel the ground yeah. like underneath you, sometimes physically, cause you just lay there and cry. <laughs> I, I have been on the ground holding my head, just stressed. I have yeah. none of us, none of us had perfect lives. Don't know that we were built to be perfect at the end of the day. Yeah. Let me ask you this, Jason. So I know you and I've known you for a long time now. And I know a lot of army guys and I know a lot of army leaders and I know how rigid the army can turn soldiers to where, to where they're very hardcore and very rigid. And, you know, it's very, you know, up and down straight line doing that. And that's not how you are. Uh, you're a very, very open hearted, very, um, you know, loving kind of person. So yeah. how did Macy and the family kind of 
affect how you grew up as a leader compared to the way that maybe the army was developing you as a leader? Well, and Macy, like, okay, brilliant question. Macy is a leader in a different way in my life, right? Like, and I love talking about 360 degree leadership in general, right? Because it's, it's so true. The military, the leadership role that that played in me did its part. But my wife, right, at one point was someone I didn't know. Then she was the sister of a good friend of mine I went to school with, became a girlfriend, and then later proposed to be engaged and wife, now mother of four children and that whole side of it. She has been incredibly unwavering in her commitment to our marriage, our kids. And I haven't um, been the most stable person my whole life. Like the, one of the things that happened in the military, as you know, we do, we can change locations on where we physically live and units that we serve in, in our, in, in our contract with the military. Like I've been in different duty stations. I've had different roles. I was promoted at different levels, had different responsibilities. But from my wife's perspective, we moved from one city to another city to, you know, different parts of the country, heck out of country. At one point, we lived in a country that was unknown to us. We lived in Germany, in the, on the German economy, even off base. Uh, and so we got to experience a lot of things together. And not one time did she even give me a hint that she wasn't supportive, that she didn't like what we were doing in our life, that she wasn't, you know, happy. She was 100% encouraging, supportive. Where are we going next, honey? Let's go. Let's, what do we got to do in that sense? All while she was going to school herself, right, taking on her own career, yeah. right? When I was deployed, she was working. When I was home, she was working, doing her part. She was 100% a contributor to the overall goal that we had as a family. So the synergy between the marriage wasn't just attraction, like maybe it starts off for some people, right? It's, it's everything for me. And then we had kids, right? You bring the children into it. And I got to watch her. Whole different kind of leadership whole different, <laughs> whole different to see somebody love somebody so much and unconditionally, no matter what. Uh, and we all say we want to be that. She is that. Yeah. Like she, she didn't, I don't know. No one had to teach her that. Like it's all, every, the first time I met her through, through today, like it was something that was in her, you know, God gave her that special gift to be there, to be loving, to be supportive and to, and to be unconditional and unwavering. Like, I, I don't know. I had to learn some of these lessons through hitting the ground. She didn't have to hit the ground to be that kind of person. Yeah, and I can, I can tell you from my own experience, and you, you know some of my, my marital history, and you know, that, that's hard to find. It is hard to find someone that has that kind of strength that can deal with uh, being a military spouse and being that rock for you, you know, through thick and thin. Macy, I think you should come around to the camera and say hi to everybody. We're Macy, can say hi. Yeah, she's over at the table. She's gonna come there. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, "Oh, I'm not dressed up uh, for it." Yeah, you know. Hi, Macy. Yeah. Uh, just talking about how awesome you are, but <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, the first time I met you guys back in, geez, I think it was 2003, early 2004. Uh, yeah. I remember coming over to your guys's house with with my ex, and you know, having a barbecue at your guys's house and talking and and doing all that stuff. And I knew that minute that you were successful because. Macy supported you 100%. She was your rock. I could tell way back then. And you know, look at you guys today. I see, I see all the great things you guys are doing out in Vegas. Uh, so yeah, that, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Macy, for for being a wonderful wife to Jason. Yeah, that's so sweet. yeah, that's super <laughs> cool. Uh, cool. So so Jason, kind of 
take me through. So you did 10 years in the, in the army yep. supporting yep. you. And then you decided to leave and, and transition to become a real estate agent. Yeah. So how was that transition for you kind of, uh, as you transitioned from a very structured, uh, organized leadership driven environment to a, you know, in the real estate business and I'm in it too. So I understand it's very, I don't want to say lackadaisical, but there's just not a, a real cohesive leadership structure guiding you on a day-to-day basis. So you had yeah. to really like dig into, you know, some personal stuff, I'm sure to, to stay the it, line there. It did. I felt like a part of the military me came into real estate with me because it lacked that if I'm being honest. Right. And so I, at the at almost a 10 year mark, my, our first child of four had some, you know, she was born with a cyst and a tumor that was a little bit difficult health wise. She had some, some surgeries early on at, you know, from one to five months old. And the doctors at the time were telling us that mm, not sure how she's going to, to get through this, if she would get through it uh, today, by the way, she's 26. She's married to her wife. Who's in the military. Uh, she trains uh, dogs for diabetic uh, alert children or diabetic alert dogs for diabetic children, I should say, even, and she does some PTSD work with dogs too. She's helped people that are deaf with, with, with dogs. Like she, she has figured out how to, not that it's about that, but my oldest daughter's a leader too, right? She literally is applying something that she loves and a passion she has to help a group of people that need help through training dogs to service those people in a friendship way and a professional way. That's incredible. But that, that who she became today told me it was the right decision at that point. Cause I was deployed a lot in the field that I was in. I was gone a lot And and Macy, as much as she was supporting me, I had to be there for her. Anytime our children uh, had to face something, we needed to stand together with them. And so if I were deployed for six months, which, and, and no problem, when I'm told to go, I go, that's just how it is in the military. I go, no questions asked and I execute. Uh, but I, I saw the pain in her eyes and I saw some things we were going through that caused me to say, hmm, is there another career path? So we can, so real estate, I didn't go into it because I thought I really wanted to be a realtor. I saw a vehicle professionally that I felt I can thrive in to provide for my family financially and yet be there for my wife and daughter through those times. So it was actually a choice for my family because of the freedom that you can be and have as an entrepreneur that I didn't necessarily have in the military. And that's not a negative on the military. I get why the military is what it is, right? But for someone that might need flexibility. running. I mean, you you came out like, you know, yeah. Out of hell, and you know, you were like what rookie? Of the, I mean, this this is just my my recollection, but you were like rookie of the year your first year out, right? Nationally, nationally, that's what. Yeah. Or what, Keller Williams? Keller yeah, Williams? I drew Keller Williams ninety one transactions in one year, your first year. Yeah, that is crazy. And uh, here's what it is, you know. It wasn't even the real estate uh, part of it. Yes, the the military helped me learn how to be a student right? Which was incredible. And then I understood and I watched myself by being a student, an effective student, apply new skill sets at a high level because I learned how to practice, right? Which was incredible. And then execute, you know, when I, when I was taught a skill and practiced the skill and became good at the skill. And I understood that when a mission is assigned to me, I finished the mission, Yeah. right? All this came from the military. So the good news is, because I learned how to be a student, learn how to take responsibility and learned how to, to, to do when someone gives Jason a mission, Jason finishes, 
right? And that to be a finisher, not a starter, someone that doesn't just chase shiny objects and chase the next thing, next thing, next thing without finishing the first thing. Well, man, I don't, I don't know about your finishing prospect, but I haven't seen you finish yet. I just see you building and building and building uh, basically a real estate empire. So, so, you know, throughout your, your real estate career, so you went from, you know, being that individual lead myself kind of person to yep. you know, leading teams, leading, you know, your own individual offices within Keller Williams. Yep. Um, and then you went out to California, you opened up several more. And yep. then, you know, just recently you transitioned over to EXP and yep. now you're in EXP and you've been here with, what'd you say, seven months? Yeah. And, yep. and how many agents have you, have you mentored and led, you know, through well, <laughs> it's, the last seven months to, to, to build empire? <laughs> I, I appreciate that. You know, it's funny that you paint the picture that way. Cause you're right. Like I left the military as, as a soldier and I went into the real estate industry as a realtor as an individual realtor. And I started learning the craft, right. And did good. And, and the production wasn't because I was luck, lucky. I had work ethic, which I think is critical in every, every position out there from CEO to entry level positions. Got to have work ethic, got to be passionate, got to finish what you start all the kind of basics that we're talking about today. Um, and I, I, within three years of being an individual realtor, I fell right back into wanting to lead. Like I, I just naturally was attracting people around me that said, Hey, I, I watched you jump in the business. Even people that have been in way before me, 10, 20 years in just were like, look at this young guy coming in. His work ethic is incredible. He's the first one in the office, last one to leave. And I'm not saying that to be out of balance in a sense. I actually enjoyed it too. Right. I wasn't there 90 hours a week. Right. But a lot of people will come in at nine, nine thirty. No, I'm in before eight. I mean, a lot right. of real I'm estate in. agents, you know, as sad as it is to say, they work that, you know, 10 to two hour. Uh, yeah, no. It's, and then when I got to go to work at eight, that was sleeping in. I know. I'm, in the military. I'm like, I'm up at five. I got to check in at five 30, get ready yeah. for formation at six. And we're out doing physical training. You know, that was, Absolutely. that was a routine. I'm like, man, I don't got to go till eight. And when I went to eight, no one was there. I mean, that was, that was strange to me, but it goes back to the first 10, 10 adult years that, that I grew into with the military. It gave me a natural behavior, what became a natural behavior wasn't initially, but it became a natural behavior for me that just let me be a powerful individual. But that, the execution of taking the learning that the real estate industry taught me and turning it into production inspired other people accidentally. Yeah. And then I liked that when people approached me, how are you doing this? Could you teach me that? I'm a giver. I love to give. I'm a contributor. You're like my, in my blood, I want to serve and give. And so I found myself going into teaching classes and exploring building my first real estate team of, of, of individuals that work together towards a synergistic goal that we created together. And then Joyce, who I worked for in Colorado Springs, uh, asked me one day, hey, would you be willing to go out to Atlanta, Georgia to this two and a half day camp or clinic type type course, I think you'd be interested in this. What I didn't know was what it was really. I said, yes, because you know, when I, when I look at people that I look up to and they say, hmm, this is a good idea for you. I was pretty good at saying yes to those. So I'm on a plane, I'm out in Atlanta, Georgia, learning how to be a CEO of a Kellogg's franchise over a two and a half day wow. period. And I came back and I, and I hugged Joyce. I said, yeah, that's for me. How do I do that? And at that time, there wasn't a, an opportunity available in Colorado Springs. So it opened up the whole country to look at opportunities. And I ended up going out to Southern California and Long Beach 
and started opening franchises there. And that led to a 15 year run, as you had mentioned, where I worked in Virginia Beach, in Denver, Colorado, Colorado Springs, of course, St. George, Utah, spent time in Texas, in Georgia, Northern California, Southern California, out here in Vegas. And I've opened offices. I have turned around struggling offices. I've invested in offices. And at one point I had nine of them with 2000 realtors under my leadership in multiple markets. And in my course of leading real estate agents at Keller Williams, which I'm never, you know, I'm so grateful for. I'm not there today, but I spent 20 years there. And I feel like, you know, I, I, I did retire after a wonderful career with them, even though I'm in the, I'm in the same industry, different company now, because I'm not done building. As you said, I got more to do. Um, but I, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was fulfilled greatly there. Uh, and, and again, it was, it was leadership from, we, we could literally probably do a 12 hour discussion on this topic. If we're being honest, right. Absolutely. I could break down days so, in the military and lessons, you know, yeah, so, so, you know, for the audience out there, you know, it's something, something I really want to point out is, you know, Jason's not just, you, you may never have heard of Jason Lindstrom, depending on where you're from and, and what your business is. But I can tell you, you know, and, and I think after hearing Jason's, you know, kind of story and his background, this is a leader of leaders. You don't get to a point where you're opening franchise after franchise and, you know, leading thousands of people without having some inherent leadership abilities. And, you know, as Jason, as I was listening to kind of everything that you talked about, you know, you, you brought me right back to what I talked about in my very first episode, which is the, the three leadership lanes. And, you know, those are, you know, leading yourself, leading others, and then leading teams. And, yeah. you know, as you kind of went through that, uh, those, those thoughts were kind of rolling through my head. So let me ask, in, in a general sense, when I say the word leadership, what does that mean to Jason Lindstrom? Um, I love that question too, because it means, it means a lot of things, you know, and, 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 and there's, it depends on what context we're, we're kind of talking about leadership in, but in general, right. Leaders to me, um, if you're going to take a position or wear the hat or have a lens of a leader, you've got to do what you say you're going to do, right. You've got to follow through. Right. If not, I don't know that it's leadership that maybe people interpret it as just because someone has a title. I don't know that they display leadership title and leadership are vastly different, although they can be the same, too. If someone does have a title and they have a position and they are the leader, yet they're finishing and they're doing what they say they're going to do. I have a lot of respect for that person. But there's a lot of people that, that, that can falsely lead or mislead because they have been empowered to do so because of positions somehow they received. And a so- lot of people mistake that, that positional authority yeah. with leadership yeah. ability. Those are mm -hmm. two, two different, different things. You can have some positional power and you can, yeah. you, know, you can force people to do things, but that's not really leadership. Right. Leadership is about motivating people to want to do something. It, yeah. Without they having to necessarily, you know, point them at it every single day. Yeah, you don't have to direct or assign or task somebody. You you've lifted them up to such a level that they want to, on their own, be a better version of themselves. You know, and how cool is that? And you know, that's the most rewarding part of leadership. That kind of leadership, yeah. when somebody that was lost found themselves and became renewed to this new level, like incredible feeling. It is. And I know you've done it too. I mean, I appreciate you having me on here, but we could be interviewing you, Paul, to be honest, because of all the lives you've touched over years of leadership that you are an expert in. Uh, I, I just enjoy it. You know, I, yeah. I enjoy the, I enjoy the, 
that leading aspect of it. I enjoy developing people and you know, just helping people be successful is, is what I am passionate about. And, uh, you know, leadership is, is one way for me to do it. And, and what, what leadership really does for me is it allows me to develop other people into leaders so that that reach can, you know, expand, you know, exponentially, as we like to say uh, in our business. Right. Um, So that, that's what I really love about it. And that's what I appreciate. So, and when we were talking about this, you know, my, my focus kind of in these first couple of episodes is really on that whole leading yourself, you know, part of it. And, you know, as you were talking through, you know, the beginning of your, your military career, as well as your transition into the real estate career, it was really heavy on, you know, leading yourself. So, yeah. you know, there's, there's a lot of different things you could talk about, you know, self-discipline, you know, motivation, uh, you know, time management, you know, all of these things that, that, you know, really come to mind. When, when I was talking to you before we started this, you said uh, one of the things that, that you really love to talk about is overcoming the art of justification. So can you tell me, what do you mean by, what is that? What, what is overcoming the art of justification? Overcoming itself is something that I'm sure everybody can define. It's really when you've defeated something that's held you back, like you've overcome something. The art of justification is something that I've seen and personally experienced in the justification word in of itself. And what I have found over life when my, through my own experiences and observing others that sometimes I was leading, sometimes weren't part of my circle, yet I got to observe or see things. And I found, and I found that people got really good at justifying why they weren't going to do something. Although they would say they wanted to do that same, very, that very same thing. Right. For example, real estate agents, right? We, I'm in the industry. They may come out and say, you know, I, I want to build a practice. Like in my heart of hearts, I'm going to build a practice. And I want to close 50 transactions. I want to help 50 buyers or sellers achieve that home ownership goal uh, each year. Like they really want to do that, you know, and they say that and they'll even fill out documents or use this gadget or that app to actually build a plan with a goal that has a financial benefit when you execute it. Then you get into the execution of it though. Right. This is where I see the art of justification creeping in for people because what it takes to do that kind of business isn't an accidental outcome. It's an intentional outcome. Right. And I see people um, start resisting the learning that I learned in day one of basic green. Go right back to there, right? The how to learn and then how to execute battle drills, which even real estate agents have a battle dr- series of battle drills that we've got to do regularly. Yeah. Simple and consistent. Great, by the way, that is the formula of success for me. It doesn't have to be sophisticated and advanced, right? <laughs> Simple and consistent, you know, in a, in a series of things applied towards a specific strategy will, will, will create a peak performance that people don't even realize, right? It is. Um, yet, I find that people will start resisting, like they'll print out this goal and I've seen them on the wall and they create visual representations of these outcomes that they want to achieve. And that's incredible. That doesn't mean that it arrives, though. That means you thought of it, you dreamt it up, or or you crafted some goal uh, that you wanted to. You might even have a plan associated with it, but it was time, uh, or when it's time to get up and start the work involved, that's when you see who's going to actually achieve it or not. So, right? so, so is it like the, the justification you give yourself for not taking action? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's how you cope with the fact that you're not going to hit your goal. You're going to pretend you're still going to hit it to make yourself feel good, Yeah. to be honest. 
but you justify not doing the things necessary right to to doing them for example one of the basic things we teach people is i ask for a 10-hour commitment per week with real estate it's like please you have 168 hours to negotiate in life god gives us that every single week right 10 hours less than 10 percent commit to building your future 10 percent less than 10 percent two hours monday through friday knock it out in the morning too so it's done right like the military they wanted us to be the most fit soldiers in the world so what do we do first every day physical <laughs> fitness that's right right i don't go learn how to do my craft or my skill yet for for my job everybody thousands of soldiers every base that i was at this person individual squads platoons companies battalions just running together being together being fit being healthy every morning right so the fitness for real estate agents is lead generation and in, in my opinion, they've got to do that first because the likelihood of somebody else later on in the day doing the fitness things or doing the lead generation, it gets tough because the day's begun, right? Life is hit. Now we're moving, we're shaking, we're doing things. Are we going to slow down or hit pause for a minute to go back to that? Most people don't. Yeah. Yet the artist justification example is, well, I didn't get to my lead generation today. I know, Jason, I know you said I should have done it at nine o'clock. But my phone rang, right? And somebody needed help, right? And 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 I get that. I get that. Like, if it's an emergency kind of help, I get. It. If it's a nine one one, like I need you in my life now because something painful is happening. That's not the kind of help I'm talking about. But Jason, I want you to run some comps on my house at nine o'clock. That I could do two hours later at eleven. Like, is 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 it burning down? Like, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Is there an urgency to it? No. But people will find ways to not exercise to be fit or not lead generate to be productive like it there there is a basic part of everything that we've got to do consistently yeah. to be successful at that thing whatever it is and for realtors it's lead generation and i it's funny because um people would get irritate in, irritated with me like i'm some mean person because i would attempt to hold them accountable to doing what they told me they want to do and i'm helping them with a habit to do it right and then i'm like no i'm not buying that I think you're justifying not wanting to regenerate. I would say that to people a lot. Like you're justifying it. That that's an excuse. And, and I'll be honest, I fall into that trap as a real estate agent myself. Yeah. Uh, you know, we were just talking before we started the podcast about you know how business is going for me, and uh, you know, with me being a new new real estate agent and you know having my leadership business and having a full time job. Uh, you know, the first thing I did was justify why my yeah. business wasn't where I wanted it to be. Like, yep. So I, I completely understand. I'm just as guilty as anybody else. So <laughs> and we, and what we don't realize is that it's, it becomes an art. That's why I call it like it's the art of justification. We don't realize that we're building a, a, an anti-success vehicle in our mind when we learn how to justify not doing something we know we need to do to hit something we said we wanted to hit yeah. goal-wise. So, and, and so, that's, kind of things, and so we got to overcome of, that. What kind of things do you think lead people to justifying inaction i think on a personal level so some of it is the their environment and sometimes it's their the, the physical environment or it's the people and i and this is such a sensitive topic because we're not talking about love right we love people unconditionally we would pray for everybody i'd give anybody the last dollar or last shirt i had that's not what we're talking about but there's an energy that comes with certain people that support 
like if, if you if you're good at just you know justify <coughs> excuse me justifying not doing something and you want to surround yourself with others that are good at justifying not doing something pretty soon you all agree and you create this group of people that think you're all right in your beliefs yeah sometimes it's people so as a as a leader so so that's a that's a personal personal thing <clears throat> we're going to come back to that in a minute but so as a leader how do you respond to people or what do you think the best ways? I know we, you know, you've probably been through many trial and errors with, with yeah. this and you know, you see things at work and you know, it's going to be different for every person, but, but what are some tips that you would give leaders out there that have to deal with and, and mentor and develop people that struggle through that stuff? I love that because this is something that I've, I've, I didn't know how to do early on and I've learned how to do it. And I think I'm still learning yet. What I find is when I see somebody that I know in their heart, like they mean well, they want to go to a new level in whatever part of their life. Could be financial, could be career, could be getting a degree. Maybe they delayed that. Maybe it's a physical fitness thing, right? Maybe it's a relationship thing. Yet when somebody may be off track and they're justifying being off track, but I know they want more for themselves. What I usually do is actually care, care for them. Not, I don't jump on them like the, mil the military style. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't jump on them. Um, I, I, I get into a conversation with them, attempt to, and be like, you know, Paul, you know, I, I, I kind of see, I see where you're at. I see where you want to go. And I'm, I'm excited for you. I kind of understand where you are. Could you take me back to a time in your life where you experienced a great, great amount of success in any area of your life? Like I get them out of that moment for a second and I have them take me back. I don't care if it's when they were six years old in high school Maybe they graduated something or received a recognition for something. I take them back to a place of success and I have them start talking about that because what I'll see physically is an excitement within them because they're going back to that memory, right? And they're bringing that forward in our conversation. And maybe it's the first time, you know, it, it could be the smallest thing for somebody. The first time they scored a goal playing soccer. First time they close their first transaction. First time they save their first thousand dollars. I don't know. Doesn't have to be this hugely successful thing, but something that's in their memory. Because when I asked the question, if that's the response they gave me, I knew it meant something to them because that's where it went. That's where their mind took them. And I, I have them elaborate on it. Then I ask them, what are the things they did that created that? And what, 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 a lot, what it allows me to do each time is it takes me back to a place where they were successful. And I know they want this new kind of success over here, but they're struggling with it. So we won't worry about that yet. So I go back to a time where they did achieve something that they did appreciate about themselves. They were celebrated, recognized, honored with. And then I get them to teach me how that happened. And when they're sharing that with me, I get to take that information back to where we are now and say, okay, are we applying those same things that you just shared with me? Like they just told me their success formula, right? And then I talk about over here where that formula is not being applied. And then I ask him, what would it be like if this person that achieved this, which was you, by the way, yeah. applied that towards this new goal? Who would you be? That's brilliant. And how would you feel? Yeah. So instead of like challenging them or demeaning them or disrespecting some people have a disrespectful tone like that, you're not pulling anything. You're not bringing anyone's greatness out. You're just building a wall up when you approach that. When you take somebody back to a place that they, that, that by asking them the right question, right, to a place that they're proud of, 
and you take that moment and then bring that same energy and feeling they have to this new moment that they're struggling, maybe they don't want to even realize their struggle. Maybe they just, you know, it, it, it's an amazing thing. And most of the time, it ends up in hugs and tears, to be honest. They're like, Jason, oh, my God. You're associating their own actions with success. Yeah. And yes. That, that, hey, you know how to be successful. Yes. Do it now. You have to you have to take that experience, what you did before, and bring it to today and be successful again in a new way. So yeah. so what about uh, battling people's insecurities? Because yeah. I find that, you know, with the people that I've interacted with over the years, uh, a lot of the people that, that are going through the, the justification within their own minds for, yeah. for not doing things, it's because they are insecure with their own ability to actually do something. Like if it's lead generation, I'm insecure about, you know, going door knocking or picking up the phone and cold calling, or, you know, going to a random you know person and saying, Hey, my name's Jason. I'm a real estate agent with EXP Realty. And, you know, I'd love to talk to you a little bit. Like people are just insecure about their ability to connect with other people or, or whatever. Yeah. It's, it, and that's, it's very common. As you know, obviously you brought that up. It's very common with a lot of people that they have that. And what I find is it's not a, it's not a one day or a flip the switch turnaround for people. It's a process. And so I, when I notice that, um, I, what I work to do with people that I lead and mentor is first bring an awareness to it gently, see if they're real within themselves about it. Like, do they realize they're being a little insecure? You know, and if they are, I attempt to find out where the diagnose it, like, where did that come from? You know, because usually what you first see with people is the symptoms of an illness, if you will, not in the real medical sense, in a metaphoric way. Like you see the complaints and the behaviors and the anger and the emotions, but that's all coming from something that we don't know yet. And so I learned to remove the symptoms, find the diagnosis and, and discuss it and see if there's a cure for it in a sense. And for a lot of people, they become insecure because of experiences. And sometimes it's not even self-inflicted, it's, it's others inflicted, which is sad because we live in a world where um, there are people that, that do intentionally want to harm or hurt. The same token though, there's a lot of people like you and I that don't. So when I find them, I hang on to Paul Raymond. Like when I find those, like we're all in the same foxhole now because it feels good to be around those people. It, it really does, okay. you know. But what I do is, so once I can bring awareness around it, if they are uh, vulnerable enough to go there, and that's a strength of itself. We could talk about vulnerability and how powerful that is. Um, then I look at helping them achieve very small wins to start overcoming, just like overcoming the art of being someone that makes excuses or good at justifying why you don't want to do something. Although you want something more than you currently have, but you're not willing to do what it takes to get it. Like we got to figure that out because that's never going to happen. Right. So small win. So if it is a, a lead generation thing, well, heck, you know, I know, I know I'm asking for 10 hours a week. Let's just meet Thursday morning at nine and let's you and I do it together for an hour and see how that feels. Absolutely. And then we, then they come for once showing up. Hey, that's a win. Thank you for actually coming. Because look, it's Paul. It's only you and I here. No one else is here. So you already are doing more than anyone else right now. Then we have fun for an hour, right? So you take them back to small wins and pretty soon they want to do it again next week. And now they're like, you know what? I'll give you an hour a day. Pretty soon, small wins, small wins equals bigger wins. And now you build a habit and you're like, hey, Paul, remember two months ago when you didn't want to lead generate regularly? Well, you started lead generating regularly. And how many deals you got in escrow now? 
Yeah. Huh, you think that was by accident? I feel like you're talking to me right now, Jason. <laughs> no, I'm not. But we're talking about a subject. I need it. I need it. You're, you're breaking into this industry, right? But I've seen it for so long. But what I, the mistake from a leadership perspective that people make is it's all or nothing right now sometimes. And they, and they don't want to do, they want A and Z, not the 24 letters in between yeah. them. Yeah. No, you got to get to B first. Absolutely. So, so from a leadership perspective, I got three takeaways that I kind of pulled out of, out of that, that part of the discussion. So as a leader, the three things that, that I kind of singled out from all of the things that you put out there were, as a leader, when you have people that are going through this, the first thing you need to do is connect with them. Connect. On a, on a, on a personal level, on an emotional yeah. level, not just a, hey, let's pick up the phone and talk, but you're actually connecting and, and building yeah. a relationship with them. Yep. And then you're showing them that you care. Yep. and that you value them for for the things that you know that they are uh and then once you can kind of get through that and you, you talk about their experiences and you show them and that how they you know are already capable and they've shown that in their past uh then you collaborated with them yep. in the end to help them be successful you didn't just say hey i've told you i told you now go do you said yep. no hey we're, we're going through this together this is a this is a team effort you know leader and follower and i'm going to help you be successful help you be successful, not kick you off your own to, to figure it out. So well, and I love that you some you summarized it that way, Paul, because it, it takes me back to literally the first week in basic training. We had these big, strong, awesome drill instructors, right? They're there to instill like, like this, this <laughs> level of confidence. It, 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 it think, it, some people are like, oh, it's mean and it's fear. No, no, they're, they're taking us to a new place. That's their role. But I remember the first time I had never fired like an M16 rifle, right? That was the first weapon in the military that I got to hold. And guess who was literally laying in the dirt right next to me the first time I pulled the trigger? My drill sergeant. in the military for a long time. <laughs> literally breathing right there with me. First time I threw and had to pull, like, 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 get ready to throw a hand grenade, pull the pin. Guess, like, literally. Worried about what's going to happen to your hand when you do? <laughs> literally, if I would have messed up, we both were gone. Right. So it was, it was like, and those are extreme examples, right? But that's like learning to throw a live hand grenade the first time or firing a real rifle that can, like, they can hurt somebody, kill somebody. Right. But what I'm saying, it didn't matter whether, heck, we could be talking about how the heck we were supposed to clean our bunks, fold our clothes, dress yeah. our wall lockers up. Right. The damn drill sergeant, sorry, was right there. That's right. Right. There was never a point in time that I was being taught something by them that they were not with me. And, and I, lo I love that because, you know, I know that, you know, you and I have a, a common background with the military and, and, and we've known each other for a long time. So we, we're speaking a lot of, a lot of things that, that we're both familiar with, but you know, these things that we're talking about can really be applied to any agent. You know, I mean, any, any career path that you're in, any area of your life, uh, whether it's your family or, or, you know, your church or, you know, your career in, as an engineer or whatever, I mean, you, you took it from the military to real estate and those two are about as far apart as you could possibly get. Yep. So, so I love that. So let's go back to the, to the person, the, the follower here, the individual, if you had to give them say three things, I, I love to give people things that they can take away when, when take we do away. these podcasts, yep. I want something that you could take today and you know, you can make an impact and you can make a change in your life today if you just leave and, and take something out of this and, and you take one or two or three things and you implement those, that's going to change your life. So if you were to give those guys like three ways to, to overcome this justification, you know, syndrome that, that they have, what would you tell them? 
the first thing, which we kind of touched on briefly, is even by themselves, you can do this with your own self-talk alone by reflection, right? You could reflect on a time in your life where you experienced success that you look back and you're proud of, and then look right before that success happened at everything you were doing to build up to that achievement, right? And then, then think about that, reflect on that, and, and then ask yourself, are you doing those same kind of things that created that success for your next success? Like, what are you choosing to do now? Because I promise you, it's, it's almost the very same things. It comes down to like habits and time management. It's, it's saying, it doesn't matter if it's relationships, saving money, health, you know, career related, education, reading, studying, doesn't matter. It, it all, it all ties together. It's that there's some basic habits. So I would have, I would have people, uh, number one, reflect on it because everyone's had success. I do not believe there's not in, there's not a soul out there that hasn't experienced something to put a smile on their face. Yep, absolutely. doesn't matter how big, you know, th that, that would be huge. Then now that you kind of might, might've figured some things out that you might've left in the back burner or back in a dark closet that you're like, wow, I need to dust that off and put that back into action for my life now. Cause I, he's right. I have done that before. And it did prove to have some results that I liked now put yourself in a physical environment with people that encourage and empower, build it, build a support structure through in your environment. And today, it doesn't have to be four physical walls. It can be virtual too. There's a whole world of people that you could build an energy-based environment through Zoom like this or phone or, or wherever. You know, and our, our company has a virtual brokerage, which is incredible. I see people in other countries with my crazy little avatar now, like yeah. it's fun. It's but I, I the, the, the environment, right? So, so when I've, I've done some self-reflection, I realized I have been successful before and I can apply some of those things to be successful again. Then put myself in an environment where everybody in that environment is doing the same thing in their own way, but the energy is causing it to be accelerated because it's fun, it's exciting, it's empowering, right? And then be a person that makes a real commitment with yourself. Not a BS commitment, not a want to do commitment, a commitment that you're going to finish, right? Being a person that absolutely, when you say you're going to do something for yourself, for your family, for your loved ones, for people you lead, someone that actually you look up to, whoever it is in every direction, be a finisher. So reflect on prior successes, put yourself in an environment for other people that are like-minded with you. So you have an energy around you that fosters where you want to go, who you want to be and finish stop quitting that's right, right? stop quitting stop I'm, I'm not saying stop making mistakes we make mistakes but don't quit like finish that's right yeah you know i, I really love all of that uh i think the environment creating the environment surrounding yourself with people places and things that that feed and breed success is so important I mean, if you just look around my office and my background, yep. I have nothing but motivational stuff and things that Work make hard me and be nice. And, yep. And, you know, come in here. It's a good day for a good day, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, you know, I come in here every day and I spend the majority of my day here. I'm working remotely in my, uh, my engineer job. And, uh, you know, I need things to, to keep me positive and motivated and going. And, you know, I, I, I think that's, I don't think you can underestimate the impact that your, your physical environment has on you, but even more getting around the people who can not, not necessarily help you be successful, but people that, that make you feel like you can be successful. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's always going to be people around you that are willing to help and, and offer a handout. 
but I don't think you can replace the energy that you're talking about that successful right. people bring to the table. You know, people like you, I mean, I mean, I, I love the calls that you do with your team, you know, every week and the energy that you bring to that and how motivated, you know, you are and they feed off that energy. And, yeah. you know, I, I really appreciate that one. I think that's very important for people is, you know, surround yourself with, with the right people and the right, you know, things and the right, you know, places in your life to, to breed that success. I think that that's awesome. Yeah. Great. So cool. I guess the last thing I would, I would ask you, Jason, about, about this particular and topic overcoming the art of justification is what should they expect if they can overcome this? Two things. Expect that you can overcome it first, because you can, right? There's, there's no one that wrote us a letter from first breath to now that said we can only be this person. We can only achieve this much. There's no predetermined outcome for any of us. We've all been given the chance to open eyes, take the first breath, and walk on this earth right now, right? So expect that, yes, you can in an unwavering commitment kind of way, right? And then when you are there with conviction, like you're there, you're like, I know I'm going to get there. I'm going to overcome this, this lack of or these new habits that I need to, to employ in my life. Know that there's going to be obstacles. Like it's not going to be easy, right? You're, go you're going to have to get to the easy on the other side of hard, I like to say. Things can get easier. They absolutely can. But looking for easy before the hard is cart before the horse. It's not the right approach. Absolutely. Right. Even like starting real estate, right? You're, you're not going to get to that 50 deal, that 91 deal a year without the work. I didn't do 91 deals because someone handed them to me. I worked harder. I made four calls. Someone said to go and I went. Yep. Right. And I did it every day, no matter how many no's I had to get through. I got to the amount of yeses that, that achieved that rookie of the year outcome. Right. And so I expected the outcome and I expected to be difficult. And I knew that through the difficult, that I had the energy, the environment, and I had the internal motivation to overcome that I was going to do it. So even when, when the hard creeped up, I, I did, it didn't outweigh the fact that I knew I was going to get to the other side. Yeah. So the first expectation is, yes, I'm going to arrive. I know I'm going to get there. And then the second expectation is it's not going to be easy. I got to put hard before easy to get easy. And when people do that and they get motivated by it, anything is possible. That's it, man. And, uh, you know, when I, when I think about our, our discussion as a, as a whole, you know, we, we face a lot of things in life as leaders, as followers, as individuals, as, you know, fathers, you know, mothers, you know, siblings, uh, managers at work, you know, whatever role it is, we, there's a lot of things in front of us that, that I don't want to say stop our progress, but, but they get in the way, those yeah. obstacles. But I, I am convinced 100% and even more so after talking to you today and, and, you know, hearing your perspective that the biggest obstacle to our success is ourselves. 100%. And if we can just get past that mental block that, that we put in our own mind and take action yeah. every day, you know, take that one little thing that you're going to do today that's going to put you one step closer to your goal. You know, yep. by the time you start putting all those pebbles in that jar, that jar is going to be overflowing. Yep. You'll and need another jar or a bigger jar. Another jar or a bigger awesome. jar. That's right. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Hey, Jason, man, it was, it was so great having you on here. I really appreciate your, your leadership perspectives. Like I said, I, I love you. I, you know, I, you know, I respect you tremendously. What, what is your last word to the, to the audience out there today um, on, you know, leading themselves? What's, what's your last word there? 
if there's anything that that was discussed from you or me or both today that they felt they were in the room with us like they were supposed to hear that topic or that statement or that quote then take action on it like because because I know that that a lot of us have watched or listened to things or even read books and we all get through that from cover to cover or second one to the last second. And yet there was a moment, each movie in each book and each podcast where something was said or that I read or that I saw that was meant for me. Take that because you were supposed to get that today right. and do something with it. Like do something with it. Like you've never done anything for anything else before in your life. That might've been what you needed to flip a switch to become a better version of yourself, to go get that next level, to achieve that next thing and, and go for it. You know, don't hold back. Man, you are so motivational. I appreciate it. Hey, uh, to everybody out there, thanks so much for tuning in today. You know, Jason, thanks again to you and for Macy to, uh, to show up and thanks to Macy for everything that she does. You know, for everyone out there listening, leadership really is a three, six, 360 degree you know, activity. Uh, it is an art. And that art starts by developing yourself as a person, as an individual, and really taking a look in the mirror to see where you can improve. Once you improve yourself, you can then improve others. Today is a good day. Thanks, Jason, so much. Uh, I learned a lot from you, just like I always do. And you know, hopefully to our audience out there, uh, they learned something as well. Hey, guys, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Uh, stay tuned for our next episode, where we're going to pick back up where we left off last week. And we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about, you know, what we can do to lead ourselves to, to really set ourselves up for success. Till next time, lead on.